Welcome to the Big Thing on Total Soccer Show, the weekly endeavour where we dive deep into a big news story in the beautiful game. And in Spain right now, there might not be a bigger story than Girona. The Catalan club, whose stadium holds a little over 14,000 in a city with a population of just over 100,000, atop of La Liga after 16 games. Two points clear of Real Madrid and seven points clear of their regional rivals, Barcelona. Coached by former Real Vallecano midfielder Michel, Girona have dropped only seven points this season and dealt Barca a 4-2 defeat in their own backyard in the most recent game week as we record. This was their first ever win over Barcelona in the league. Today we're asking how this small regional club has managed to get to the top of the Spanish game and if they've had any help from, I don't know, say an Abu Dhabi ownership group that also owns Manchester City. We'll see. My name's Ryan Bailey. Joining me to discuss Majorona, someone who may or may <laughs> not understand that reference. That <laughs> Graham Rutherford, he's returned. Do you, do you appreciate my reference there? I knew you wouldn't wait long to get. Is it the knack that sings my my yeah, Sharona? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you lasted like what, like a minute and thirty seconds. Well, well done, Ryan Bailey. I'm I'm good, Ryan. I had a good time this this week visiting uh, a place in France designed to be like a mini America. Sort of funny how there's a Disneyland in France, a country which famously doesn't like Americana and American culture. But yeah, I had a, I had a good time there paying 20 euros for very mediocre burgers, and I am pleased to be back on the show talking about uh, the Knack and Girona. Glad to have you back, Graham. Glad that you enjoyed the Mouse House and your little sojourn there over the past few days. Um, like, who, who's been uh, who's been watching all the games while you've been gone? If you've been watching, if you've been double, triple, quadruple screening? I still watch the games. There? Yeah, I still yeah. watched a lot of the matches. Saw Manchester United crash out of the Champions League during the week, which was very surprising to me. Not at all, no. <laughs> I can imagine, imagine you sitting on the Toy Story ride with like two iPhones going, oh no, <laughs> Champions League permutations, goodness me. Yeah, I've got one of those Apple headsets that just like uh, beamed them all straight into my retina as well. I was riding Tower of Terror. There we go. Well, Graham, good to have you back on the show. And uh, of course, uh, I appreciate you uh, being someone who could appreciate the knack reference there, the greatest one hit wonder of all. Joe Lowry also joining us. Joe, I'm assuming that might not be on your radar. No, I I actually do know that song. Not well, but I know the My Sharona song. I could not have told you who it was by. But that has trickled down into my knowledge. Some, I what is that like late seventies, early eighties? It's got to be one of, one of the two in that time period. It, I, that one has trickled its way down to me, as no, clearly no one knows when that song was released. Graham, my question for you is: I saw you post a picture about some sort of haggis ratatouille combo. Please yeah. explain every single thing about this. <laughs> so unfortunately, Joe, I don't think they were they were real. It's uh, it was the ratatouille ride that I was on, which is very good actually. Mm. And my daughter does this thing. Up, I also posted a picture to my Instagram of my daughter is absolutely terrified of every single ride that we would go on until afterwards when she would thought it was the most thrilling thing possible anyway we forced her on ratatouille and um, for anyone who has seen ratatouille i think the plot in ratatouille is gusto the, the chef um he creates like a brand a line of microwavable um food goods and one of them was haggis snacks which i presume are fictional but if they were real I would very much buy those and microwavable haggis snacks would be my lunch pretty much every single day. Wow. Not only are they haggis, but they're microwavable, so they're lazy <laughs> as possible as well. That's that's a great Truly combo. Scottish. <laughs> yeah. Wash it down with some iron brew and you are there. Wonderful stuff there. Um, let's get to the main segment of this show. We're talking about Girona. I can't think of their name without my Girona now. I apologize for that. Uh, before we get there, patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show for our bonus content. We've got bonus 
episodes of podcasts on there. We've got bonus videos with our faces in them occasionally. And we've got access to the Discord. You can't spell Discord without Disco. That's where we have our fun, ladies and gents. Anyway, Girona. Graham, give us a little precie of this little club, uh, how they've been doing so far this season, if you will. Um, they are quite the story. Yeah, indeed. They've been sensational this season. So they're top of La Liga for the first time in their 93-year history, by the way, at the moment. So they were top a few weeks ago. They fell down to, I think, third, second or third. And then they beat Barcelona, as you said in your intro, Ryan. And they've gone back to the top of La Liga. Um, they deserved to beat Barcelona as well, away from home. And, and the thing is, everyone knew they were capable of that because that's the sort of thing we've seen from Girona this season. Now, of course, there's the big old ownership elephant in the room with Girona, and we'll talk more about that later on. And 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 the thing is, for me anyway, that, that does kind of put a dampener on this story. It isn't a fairy tale I'm editorialising here. It isn't a fairy, t- fairy tale because of City Football Group being behind the whole thing. But nonetheless, it is a, a great story. This is a club that had never played in the the Spanish top flight before the 2017-18 season. It's a club that plays in a tiny little stadium, the Montalivi, which has a capacity of just 14,000 fans. Some of their stands are temporary stands as well to bring it up to La Liga standards. And Girona, as you mentioned, Ryan, it's a town of just 100,000 people. Uh, Weirdly, it's home to the best-rated restaurant in the world. I wonder if they serve uh, microwavable haggis snacks at, at that restaurant but it is a tiny little place so they are definitely overachieving particularly when you consider they came into this season with the intention of avoiding relegation they finished 10th last season that in itself was a bit of an, an overachievement the priority this season was just stay in the league and now they're title challengers so as you say Ryan it's, it's an incredible story great you mu- I'm sorry I have to fact check you there you must have got something wrong there's I don't think there's a hard rock cafe in Girona just so we're clear <laughs> Well, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, Ryan. El Celer de Can Roca, I'm sure I've nailed that pronunciation. Um, it does say here that they are owned by uh, Chili's, the Chili's group. So, uh, yeah, there might there might be something there for you. Ah, very nice indeed. Uh, Joe, your, your, your initial thoughts on this Girona team and the way they've been rocking La Liga so far this season. Uh, I believe, uh, Graham mentioned this, um, you know, They've been in existence, excuse me, since 1930. I believe yeah. this is only their fourth top flight season as well. So they are perennially a lower league team. Are they? Are they like a La Liga Luton? Perhaps is that the level we're talking here? <laughs> I mean, I think we're we're not quite talking about the stadium being built into the surrounding city, but a super small stadium that needs upgrading. Right, this club has gone through a ridiculously fast propelling to where they are right now. Right, getting back into La Liga, I mean, they've had challenges throughout their past very clearly founded in 1930 as Graham said this is Girona's fourth season top flight all that stuff Sam Marsden had a great piece for ESPN about Girona said as recently as 1999 they were playing in the regionalized fifth tier against local Catalan sides in front of crowds of 200 it was not until 2008 that they returned to the second tier after almost 50 years outside the top two divisions in 2017 for the first time ever they were promoted to La Liga Like, this is wild stuff. Their stadium needs upgrading. Their training facility is like some really kind of crappy temporary buildings or at least not good permanent buildings. And it's very small compared to certainly the giants of La Liga and small even compared to some other teams in here. The other factor, I I do agree with Graham. This is not a fairy tale. We'll talk about some of this stuff later on uh, in the CFG tie specifically. But what Girona are doing right now, even within the context of City Football Group, is shocking to me 
even when you think about the influence and the boost that CFG gives them, even outside of the monetary side of things, like outside of the financial, we're going to pay salaries and pay transfer fees and all that stuff. Girona this year can only spend over 50, 50 five zero million euros on salary, which is less than a tenth, less than a tenth of what Real Madrid can spend. 50 million compared to Real Madrid, who are in the, I think, 700 million range. It is absurd, and that's down to La Liga's very strict financial rules, which I think we've all learned at least a little bit about due to Barcelona having to find new ways to sell themselves to Spotify. I don't really understand all that stuff. <laughs> but what Girona are doing with what they can spend, even with influence coming from the most powerful ownership group or one of in, in the world, is really, really fascinating. Graham, uh, we'll dig into the tactics and the players a little bit later on in the show. But th- to, to start off with, are there any players we might recognize in this side? Obviously, we've seen there's like daily blints in there. Recognize yeah. Eric Garcia. He was part of the Man City youth. Graham setup. loves Eric but, uh, Garcia. Graham, talk <laughs> yeah. about it, Graham. Graham should do five minutes on Eric Garcia. <laughs> well, uh, Sid Lowe has a good article on Girona on The Guardian as well. He says in the starting 11 against Barcelona, only three players they had to pay for. And they paid 15 million euros combined for those three players. So as as yeah. Joe has outlined, they're not they're not spending big despite having big backing. Yeah, they are overperforming by an absolute mile this season. I should clarify my my, my fairy tale comment. I think that's more just an ideological standpoint yeah. from yeah. from myself. I I I think multi club ownership is fundamentally a bad thing for soccer. And so while I really want to enjoy this story. I struggle to do so just because CFG um, own a large percentage of this club. From a sporting point of view, it kind of is a fairy tale, as 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 Joe mentioned. They are um, overperforming related to to budget. You look at their team. You wouldn't say they have any superstars in this team, but they do have a number of players who listeners will be will be. Uh, familiar with you mentioned Dilly Blind Ryan my favorite my favorite Eric Garcia he's on loan from from Barcelona he's actually been very good for 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 um Jorna this season my my issue with Eric Garcia was I just didn't think he was good enough for a, a Barcelona team um or to play a, a high line as he did for for Xavi's uh, Barcelona. He's kind of found his level for Girona, which is ironic because obviously they're above Barcelona and they've just beaten Barcelona (laughs) at Camp Nou, not at Camp Nou, at at the the Olympic Stadium. But nonetheless, he's been very good. Yangel Herrera obviously played for NYCFC and MLS in the past, so there's the the CFG link in action. There, Pablo Gazaniga is their goalkeeper, so Spurs fans will be familiar with him and then there's a good number of established La Liga players who have ended up at Girona so Alex Garcia I'll talk about him a little bit uh, more later on Juan P Porto of Co- Porto excuse me who is a, a, a an established La Liga kind of cult hero was at Real Sociedad for a long time Christian Stuani another player I would say is, is an established cult hero 37 now scored against Barcelona still producing the goods Miguel Gutierrez who also scored against Barcelona made a number of appearances for, for Real Madrid came through La Fabrica which is the, the Real Madrid youth academy so it is a team weirdly that you look through and there are certainly names that are recognizable just not names you would expect to be pushing a team towards the Spanish title Agree with Graham, absolutely. And and another fascinating thing about Girona's progress, we talked about them finishing 10th last year after being promoted, that was overachieving and to be where they are now is wild. Like the fact that they've done this while spending what they can spend by La Liga rules, yes, with outside help, we'll talk more about that, blah, blah, blah. But they lost so many key players in the past offseason. Oriel Romeo played more minutes than all but one of Girona's players last year. He's now a Barcelona player. The player who led the team in minutes, center back Santiago Bueno, moved to Wolves. So there's their top two minutes getters gone. Tati Castellanos, another CFG tie, 
He led the team in goals last season with 13 in La Liga. He's now playing for Lazio. Rodrigo Riquelme, who we've talked about on the show before, went back to Atletico Madrid. He was on loan with Girona, and he finished third on the team in goals last year. So overall, when you go through and look at their minutes getters and their goal scorers, they lost three of their top four players in terms of minutes and two of their top three players in terms of goal scorers. And they're now top of La Liga. Like, that's the kind of thing that if Barcelona or Real Madrid, if those clubs had to be selling clubs, and they they don't because they're at the top of the pyramid, not just in Spain, but they're among the, the global elite. If those clubs had to be selling clubs, they would be able to do this kind of thing. Go out there and replace and, and play at a better or even higher level. Like, Girona is not supposed to be able to do this stuff. And this is where the CFG stuff feels really strong and really uh, important to this team's story. But the way that they've gone out there for from a fan perspective and replaced basically all of the production that they've lost and gotten better along the way without spending an exorbitant amount of money, that is wild to me. And I, I even with the CFG link, I, I would not have ever guessed that this team would be where they are right now, making up nine spots in the table from their first season back in La Liga to this year. Fairly impressive, uh, that's uh, safe to say. Graham, one loss on the season in the league for this team against Real Madrid. Uh, there have been some who said that maybe the schedule has favoured them up to this point. I it don't has. think, if I look, they haven't they haven't played Atletico Madrid yet, for example, I think. Um, is, is that valid? Is that a valid criticism of their, their standings? And and that, that win over Barcelona surely has to be some kind of, uh, you know, a monument to what they've done so far. I'm interested in what Joe has to, to has to say about the the schedule because it's not something that that was particularly on my radar just because they have had a, a couple of difficult away games. So Villarreal, they beat Villarreal away from home. They've beaten Sevilla away from home. They had Real Sociedad also away from home on the on the first game of the season, and then they've had Barcelona away from home and obviously that match you mentioned Ryan against Real Madrid, which is their only defeat of of the season. So there are there are some uh, a good number of, of of big matches, difficult matches in in the the games that they've played so far but the statement win over Barcelona was just the performance was fantastic and obviously Barcelona had the the talent advantage in that game but Girona just looked like I watched this game live on 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 Sunday night um, because I had a feeling that there was going to be a story in this one but Girona just they looked like the better coached team with their rotations and and one of the most stark things was how they were able to how comfortable they were on the ball for sustained periods so Barcelona still had more possession but there were still parts of the game where Girona just looked at home in this kind of in, in this kind of setting, and they were so good at exploiting space quickly and counterpressing moments, and that has been a key part of Girona's play this season. They, they are varied in the way that they create chances; they're adaptable, and we saw a lot of this in the way that they played at, at, at Barcelona. This was a thesis statement of everything that they do as a team, and I think one of the reasons the win at Barcelona there are there are non-footballing reasons why this was such a big statement win, because Girona are in Catalonia they've always been this tiny little team from this tiny little town compared to the big city of Barcelona, it's a bit like some something like Stockport County rocking up to the Etihads and playing Man City off the pitch. It's, it's comparable to that in terms of the size of the two teams. But from a footballing point of view, I think the reason this made, made such a big statement was that Girona had dropped off from the top of La Liga. And I think we all thought, we spoke about this because we, we talk about our um, our subjects for, for the big thing every week before we record. And we all thought maybe we'd miss the, oppor- miss the chance to talk about Girona because the news hook wasn't quite there. They weren't top of La Liga anymore. So for them to go back to the top of the table with a win away to Barcelona, 
I don't know how this season's going to, the rest of the season's going to pan out for them, but it says that this is a, maybe a little bit more than just a flash in the pan and that this team can sustain their success over at least a number of months. I'll skip ahead to the end because, Graham, I think that's a, a fascinating point. Girona will not win the La Liga title. I, I would bet any amount of money that they will not end up at the top of the table. They, they are just still so out-resourced by some of these other clubs. And you look at the schedule, and I'll talk about that in just a second, and there are challenges there. But, Graham, I, I take your point. Like, I, I think what's so fascinating about Girona and why I, I try, even when we have those planning discussions, to not get all the way tied into the news hooks, even though that is obviously important for us, is because this is still a story, right? Girona still are going from being that relatively small club in a small city compared to Barcelona to being a legitimate player in La Liga. And I do think they'll be a legitimate player. I think this Girona team, with City Football Group's backing, is going to be a team that competes to join the elite in Spain. It's going to take time, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see them fighting for Champions League spots every season from now on. They're certainly going to do that this year. I'll be surprised if they don't end up in the top four in La Liga this year. But the problem is, and one reason why I don't, I just don't think it's going to be sustainable, is some of the schedule stuff. Graham, you mentioned some of those statement results coming off of a 4-2 win over Barcelona, which is massive. They drew 1-1 in their first game with Real Sociedad. You mentioned that game as well, Graham. But otherwise, just not a lot of statement results. That Villarreal result is, is good, but they've only played four games against other teams in the top six. Girona obviously top, then Real Madrid in second, Atleti in third, Barcelona in fourth, Athletic Club in, fi in fifth, and Real Sociedad in sixth. They've only played four games against basically the other five teams. They haven't played Atleti, Ryan, you mentioned that. In those games against top six teams, they have one win, that's the Barcelona game. They have two draws, Real Sociedad and Athletic Club, and one loss, getting smacked by Real Madrid. So I, I think there is still a lot of work to be done for this team. And some of that's embodied by Michel, Girona's manager. He said after the Barcelona result, uh, he said, quote, I think we're mathematically safe, referring to relegation. Like, that is a crazy quote to drop after <laughs> you're top of the league and just beat Barcelona. Like, that says everything about where this club is. So I'm not trying to bash Girona or, like, be a rain cloud over here for their fans. What they've done is amazing. It just goes to show how big of a surprise this is. And it won't be a surprise as the season goes on when they drop down a little bit in the top of the table. See, Joe, on that a mathematically safe point, that's interesting in terms of mentality because I was reading someone else who wrote about Leicester and how Claudio Ranieri, he he never said we're going for the title from, from when things started getting good. He said, we're mathematically safe now. Now we're going to go for Europa League. Now right. we're going to go for Champions League. And only towards the very end did he even talk about the title. So yeah. there's, there's some psychology going on there as well, I suppose. Isn't 100%. Yeah, I, I think it's a smart approach from Michel, who I, I've come to really appreciate his tactics, and it's helpful when you have good players and you nail the transfer market and all that stuff. But I, I've really come to enjoy watching this Girona team and doing a bunch of research for this episode. And I think that's a, a smart approach, right? Keep expectations measured. That way, when you maybe don't reach what the fairy tale ends up looking like at the end of the season, then nobody's like coming for your head. And also, I think mentality-wise, in terms of the, the internal dynamics, that also helps. Indeed. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, that big old elephant in the room is going to come stomping in. It's City Football Group. Back shortly. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to the big thing. Now, Graham Rutherford, as we've established earlier in this episode, uh, Girona have a a, a big owner. They have a 47% owner in the name of City Football Group. Uh, so not, not necessarily a majority owner, 47%, but still a significant stake in this team. Their chairman and another part owner is a gentleman named Pear Guardiola. <laughs> uh, he is Pep's brother, who has an agency, is an agent who's looked after players in the past. He's also got a, a piece of this. So uh, there are some machinations going on behind the scenes, even if they are a team with a 14,000 stadium in a small place that has the world's best restaurant. Yeah, this is a huge part of the Girona story. Not so much the restaurant thing. That's just a a reason to visit Girona, I guess. But the the City Football Group ownership is a big part of this story. As you mentioned, Ryan, um, City Football Group, they don't don't have majority control, but they have this kind of partnership with Pep Guardiola's brother, who has been uh, a part of the club since 2020. Before that, he was an agent for players like Iniesta and and Luis Suarez. So that is a a cosy arrangement that uh, the Guardiolas and City Football Group have have got going on there, kind of spans City, Barcelona and Girona as clubs. As far as I can see, CFG's stake in Girona is still sitting at around, the the number I found was 44%, but it's in the 40s um, anyway, the, the number that I've seen. I found articles from a few years ago that said they wanted the majority stake, but I don't I don't think that's happened. I went looking for that and I think they're still sitting at that original kind of forty four percent uh ownership. I, I, I think I guess the the, the 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 difference you can see in the arrange in the arrangement that um City Football Group have with Girona and what they have with some other clubs is that Girona play in red and white and not sky blue like other C- CFG clubs. They weren't rebranded to Catalonia City FC or something like that because CFG don't have full control to do uh, something something like that. But nonetheless, CFG's ownership stake is a, is a key part of this whole story. I think the biggest change for Girona under the, the ownership has been the way that, and Joe's already mentioned this, but the way that the club is now part of the CFG pipeline and that gives them access to talent that otherwise they wouldn't have had access to. I think Tati Castellanos is maybe the, one of the best examples of this. Obviously wins the golden boot for NYCFC and MLS, then gets loaned by CFG to Girona where he makes a, a decent impact. He was, I wouldn't say he was sensational in the Liga, but then gets sold from that point to Lazio for 20 million euros. So that's the pipeline in action there. And Jan Kuto, Kuto excuse me, is, is currently on loan from, from Man City, um, one of their fullbacks. And if you look through the signings Girona have made, so Google Girona transfer market, go to all transfers, look at the transfers they've made over the last five years, there are a lot of Man City loans in there. Obviously, Yangel Herrera was was one of them. He was on loan from Man City to Girona initially. I think he's now permanently signed by Girona. Um, there have also been minor improvements to the stadium. And Joe mentioned their training ground. I saw at the start of this season that they they inter- they um, they, they built a constructed like a cryo chamber and things like that, which I can't imagine those things are cheap. But it's the team on the pitch that has changed most uh, most dramatically. That's where CFG have made the biggest impact on this club. 
Yeah. Uh, Joe, um, many a year ago, probably probably about 2017 or so, I was the Athletics Man City correspondent. They used to let me write things. It's incredible, really, when you think about it. Um, But uh, I I wrote about Jurena a couple of times back then because it was sort of a a blossoming partnership back then. And there was players like Eric Garcia, who's with them now, who was going back and forth. It was a lot of sort of the B-team Man City players who were going over to Jurena, who were second tier at that point. And it felt like they are they were, they're going to build a second team here. They're going to ha- they're going to farm everybody out here from Man City. But it hasn't quite evolved like that. As Graham said, that there, there's a lot of history between the two sides. But only Young Koto and I think Savinho belong to CFG and belong have been Man City players yeah. in the current squad. If I'm is that right, Graham? Yeah. Sorry to yeah. jump in, but um, is that not just because today there hasn't been a player good enough for Manchester City? I think that's just because Savio Savinho um, he goes by both names. He, there's been links with him going to Manchester City because he's. It feels like he's the first Girona player who's maybe good enough for like a, t- a team in the Premier League chasing a title. I, yeah. I, the point I'm getting at is I still very much view Girona as like a feeder team. There is a hierarchy here, so even if there hasn't been kind of the the traffic between them that you might expect with players going the other way, it still very much feels like Girona are below Man City in this uh, in this kind of ladder they've got. Oh yeah, that's completely fair. I suppose the, the point I was making was traffic going the other way in terms of say all the academy players who play for Man City in the Champions League this past week. One may have expected a bunch of those Joe to be playing yeah. in La Liga, getting some reps and maybe helping to you know push them up the table a little bit more. But that quite that arrangement hasn't quite come to fruition. No, it's it's been a bit more subtle than that. Not like so, so subtle that you don't notice it, right? When it comes to player <laughs> movement stuff, but it, it's not been Man City Academy, and I, I think maybe that's partly because City Football Group don't have the entirety of the ownership there. It's also possible that that's just not how they view Girona as you know a, a way to optimize that asset, right? I think having a club that is good and meaningfully in, involved in La Liga against some of these top teams. That's super helpful. When when CFG come in, they talk about how the first thing that they need to do is stabilize this from a business side. And I think when you want to do that, maybe bringing in a bunch of academy kids who haven't played real first-team soccer is probably not the right way to go there. The City City Football Group, I I think the most obvious changes have been when it comes to the on-field players. Graham, you mentioned that. But I do think one underrated part of that equation of putting players onto the field is improving the infrastructure inside the club, right? City Football Group own and operates some portion of, or in the entirety of, 13 clubs around the world. There's Man City, NYCFC, Trois over in France, teams in Japan, Australia. I mean, just go down the list, right? There's 13 of these teams. They know how to run a club, right? NYCFC are a generally very good club in Major League Soccer. Manchester City are maybe the best team in the world. Girona, we're seeing this now, right? You go and look at what they've done with so many of these teams, not all of them, but so many of them, They know what they're doing, and they have the ability and the finances to spend in other areas outside of salary, right? And this is why, again, going back to what Graham said earlier, not really a fairy tale because they have money to put in all sorts of these sneaky places, and infrastructure is a big part of that, putting processes in place to have a healthy, fully functioning club. Girona Sporting Director Kike Carcel told ESPN they have organized things much more, and that's a very simple quote, but I think it is entirely accurate. You don't go out here and, and sign these players and make the moves that they have in the transfer market without real processes in place. You don't get this hit rate in a single transfer window without having real thought and intention behind it. And the player movement yeah. CFG network itself is a big part of this, right? So it's it's like, hey, NYCFC, who do you got? Like, let's get Yanhel Herrera over to Europe, and eventually he's going to end up with Toronto. Let's get Tati Castellanos directly 
over to Girona, right? Like they have the ability to just shuffle players around and you get the inside scoop on those guys and you get all the, the best info and access and first choice, right? A first refusal, all that stuff. But then it's also like, hey, oh, Savio is another example of that, by the way, going from Trois, CFG, Girona, CFG. But then you also get the infrastructure to say, okay, we need a new number nine. Like, who are we going to go out and get? Let's go out and get Artem from Ukraine, from Ukraine, right? Let's go get this guy who's going to be our leading goal scorer. Daily Blind, you get all of this ability as well to go out there and find players and bring them in and the cachet that goes with it. You add all those things together and, and you're cooking with something. Yeah, I think that you've raised a really good point there, Joe, in that we, we have been focused on the potential money and finances that CFG can bring to Girona, but it's the intangibles, isn't it? It's the it's the philosophy and the organization that they, they have brought. With Man City, you look at the two Manchester, Manchester clubs, both spend a lot of money, but one is incredibly well organized and one is incredibly badly organized. And when you've got that philosophy and culture brought over to Girona, that's intangibly really important. And also, Joe, you mentioned the cachet. So when you're trying to get Daily Boon in and you know exactly. you've got that backing, that helps too, right? Yeah, 100% on all that stuff. And it's, it's, I'm not trying to say the money's not important, right? It is, it's some of the intangibles. But also, you can have the intangibles. Like, I can, Ryan. I can have great ideas on how to run a football club. Phoenix Rising oh, yeah? can have great ideas on how to run a football club. It just doesn't It just doesn't matter in the, in the grand scheme of things, right? In the global sense. Like, it's not really relevant. So you also need the financial backing to go out there and, hey, like, pay Daily Blend. Go out there and pay Eric Garcia and do all these things within reason, right? I mentioned the salary that they, they can't really go above. There are limits here. But it's a mixture of the intangibles and the know-how and the infrastructure that's already been built that Girona don't really have to go out there and build themselves with all of a sudden, like when the moment comes and we can start to break the bank, I think we're going to see Girona start to open the pocketbooks. Okay. So Graham, is that, is that the ultimate aim you think for CFG here? They're, they're just biding their time with this project. And when the moment comes, they're going to unleash all of the dollars. <laughs> I mean, perhaps that sounds a bit sinister, Ryan, and makes me think that maybe we haven't we haven't uh, seen CFG's true intention for for global soccer. Multi club ownership just really gets me down. Like Joe talking about the salary restrictions that Girona have, which is which is all fair and good. There are those restrictions, but their best player or one of their best players this season is on loan from another CFG club, who, by the way, was signed for a lot of money from a Brazilian club and then assigned to Trois before immediately being loaned to another CFG club. It just feels like, even with those restrictions, there are ways for them to to, to bend the rules. And, um, yeah, that just makes me a little bit depressed, to be honest. Oh, is there some bookkeeping going on here? Let's not... Let's, the, the lawyers are on hold. Let's not not like CFG. <laughs> let's not go there. There's no accusations there at all. Why don't we take a quick break? When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about what they're actually doing on the field, the tactics, the coach, much more. Back shortly. Hey, folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show, reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early. There are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation. There's going to be offers coming through willingly. There's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there. There's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain. There are many things to deal with. And unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively. But for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to The Big Thing, where we are talking all things Girona. Joe, if you will, give us the lay of the land in how this Girona team plays under Michel. Yeah, so first I want to do a quick background on Michel, because if listeners are anything like me, they don't really know much about this guy, and maybe they've started to hear little bits and pieces here and there, and maybe they do know way more than me, and I'm just catching up. Either way, I did the research, so I'm going to toss this stuff out there anyway so it wasn't a waste of time. 48 years old, born in Madrid. Former Spanish youth national team player, played a lot in, in Spain during his career. Started coaching in Rayo Vallecano's youth system in 2012 after retiring as a Rayo player that year. In 2017, then he took over the first team, then coached Huizca for a bit, and then took over Girona in July of 2021. Helped them get promoted in that 2021-22 season that we've referenced a couple of times. Then they finished 10th last year. Now on to this year, and we know how well they're doing. Not always smooth sailing, though, I'll add. And this is why this is a fickle game. And having good players and a little bit of a little bit of luck maybe is helpful. Michel was in some trouble. Ten games into his Girona coaching career with just two wins in that span, he was under some fire. But he's kept a job and has his team playing some really really nice stuff along the way. They want to play like they they really want to to open up the game and play, which is what makes this team another thing that makes them so fun. Is they're not just Leicester City Leicester Citying their way to the top, right? And it's we can't really make that comparison anyway because of the the ownership stuff, but. They're not just playing against the ball and trying to go out and hit on the break. The big things we've done recently have been about fun teams. Like Bayer Leverkusen are a fun team. Girona, when you watch them play, are a fun team. 57% possession so far this year. That puts them fourth in La Liga behind Barcelona at 65%. They're way out ahead. Real Madrid at 59 and Las Palmas, somewhat surprisingly, at 59 as well. Girona create better chances than every team in the league not named Barcelona. So it's not just that they're you know in possession a lot. They're actually quite good at using the ball to create chances. Tactically, they're often in a pretty fluid shape that that shifts from a back four in defense to a back three in possession. Now, they can go back five defensively. They did so for stretches against Barcelona. So they're, they're still willing to be pragmatic in some ways. But depending on who the fullbacks are in possession, 
they shift into their really 3-2-5. At times, they push another midfielder forward, and it looks like a 3-1-6. They get there in so many different ways. If it's one profile, they'll keep the fullback deeper and push the winger high. If it's another profile, they'll push the fullback into midfield, and they'll push the other one high. So there's so many different things that they do in possession, but usually they end up getting to that 3-2-5 shape that we see a lot of the world's best teams use with the ball or even try to overload the front line more with another midfielder. Tactically, a lot of their setup seems to run around Savinho, running at an opposing fullback on the wing. He's often really high and really wide on that left side. This guy's so young, but he's so good already, and we're seeing a lot of very worthwhile, legitimate buzz around what Savinho can do. As a player, on loan right now, Like he is, he's absolutely fantastic, and a lot of what they want to do is to funnel the ball out to him and let him cook on that side with then good balance across the rest of the front line. Defensively, they'll play out of usually a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-1-4-1 block, I mentioned the back five. They'll pull that out at times. They press. They're up there with the most frequent pressing teams in La Liga. Like They they play like a modern elite soccer team for the most part. They didn't even fully cowtail the Barcelona either. They didn't go out there and try to dominate the ball, but they weren't really shy in that match either. Graham, you, you saw that whole thing, right? Like They're still trying to come out there and, and, and play a little bit, even with a little respect to who they're playing and all that stuff. The, the weak point in this team, and another reason why, or maybe this is the reason why that stems from you know, all their, some of their still financial challenges. The reason why they're not going to win La Liga is because they let in too many goals. They, they've let in 20 goals so far in La Liga. That puts them 13th in the league. They're top of the table, but only have the 13th best defensive record in La Liga. They've allowed double the number of goals that Real Madrid have allowed, and Real Madrid are sort of nipping at their heels. That's the best defensive record for Real Madrid in La Liga, but like they're, they're struggling in that way, and they've allowed more goals on defensive set pieces than any of the other legitimate title challengers. So not, not a perfect team, but if you want entertainment as a neutral, you want to watch this team try to continue to fight for that top spot and score goals because they will, play fun soccer because they will, and let in some goals because they will. Like, this is this is a great team to watch on a Saturday. I do want those things, Joe. I do want entertainment from my La Liga leaders. Thank you very much for that. Graham, it does sound, it, it's a bit gung-ho, the approach, and not necessarily what you build a title-winning campaign on, but they obviously hanging uh, with the the uh, top echelon of La Liga because of the way they set up rather than the personnel they have. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And and I think Joe did a, a good job of outlining everything that makes this Girona team certainly entertaining to watch. They're the top scorers in La Liga this season. He's right to um, highlight the, the, the wide area. So watching some game tape and also just watching Girona throughout the, the season. Um, it's it's their combinations between on the right side between Kuto and Victor uh, Shahankov. And on the left, it's Daily Blend and Savio, who's already been mentioned. He's the attacking star of this team. That's where my my eye is drawn. And and those wide players work really well in terms of how they occupy the space. So the space, excuse me. So if one is wide and hugging the touchline, the other is inside and you and using that channel, and then they'll switch throughout the match. So it's, it is difficult for opponents to track them. I almost, I am, I am also very impressed by the the kind of the way the midfield works and how they try to beat the midfield press with with numbers. So they want to try to uh, create overloads, and they have Alex Garcia as the single pivot in front of the back four and he receives the ball and then invites pressure before moving on to one of the number eights ahead of him making third player runs and Alex Garcia even though Savio I think he's their best player and he's the player from this team that I think is going to have the the kind of marquee stellar career I think he's going to be at, at the elite level soon enough Alex Garcia I think is the most important to this team because there is frequently a huge amount of pressure on him to receive the ball from the back line and then get turned against 
frequently like three opposition players closing him down and he's got that quality to get on the half turn quickly and and move forward into space or most frequently move the ball on to either Martin or or uh, Yangel Herrera who then can open up space into the attack and they they're the kind of they're the players that get uh, Joe Bick who is the 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 Ukrainian striker that they signed from Dnipro for seven million euros in, in the summer. So he's he was the club record signing. That was some of the money that they got from selling some of the players that Joe mentioned in the summer. They reinvested it in Joe Bick and, and he's a, a big kind of physical um, focal point in the attack. But it's the midfield, even when Joe Bick isn't, isn't um, kind of involved in games, he's having an influence in creating the space for players like Herrera to move into making secondary runs in attacking areas. So I, I very much like the wide areas, but that midfield unit works very well too. Joe, how excited should we be about what Michel is doing himself? Uh, is he going to be in the conversation for big European jobs that come up in the next few seasons? Maybe even a big European job at other city football group clubs? Hmm? It's not impossible. I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if that was the first real move we saw from Girona to Man City was in the, the managerial category. Just it feels like maybe Michelle, for all the, the smart stuff that CFG do, and they do do a lot of smart soccer stuff, maybe he lacks a little bit of the cachet still to go out there and get that job. But maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he, he is a good opportunity there for CFG. I, I've started to think a bit more about maybe him being the next Barcelona manager if things go poorly or more poorly than they've already gone for, for Xavi and some of the challenges that they have there. He's already got some practice working with cash-strapped clubs, so that should be a, a, a nice opportunity there. <laughs> hey, I, I think Michelle is, is doing a very, very good job. It's one of those things that's still just so hard to say, right? Because you watch a team play, and yes, the general style always seems to come from the manager, but you need the players to be good and excel to actually go out there and, and do this stuff. But I am really high on what Michelle has done so far. I think his team is fun to watch as a neutral. I've already said that. And I think they do a lot of things really, really well along the way. So yeah, why not link him to one of these jobs? All right. Uh, Graham, we've got to get to the big question in the big thing. Uh, Joe already uh, spoiled his opinion a little earlier on in the show. Uh, La Liga's supercomputer rates... Uh, what is that <laughs> the supercomputer it's in a giant room there's lots of sort of reels of paper coming out of it uh, men in lab coats walking in and out of the room is that it's the one that spits out the responses to racism incidents and basically just says like ignore <clears throat> ignore ignore is that yeah. is that the same computer it, yeah and it, it, it says a little voice that says barcelona lever activated and then it lets them spend more <laughs> That's basically what it does. Um, but that aforementioned supercomputer, which is, is, is in Sid Lowe's uh, Guardian article, he he puts it in air quotes, supercomputer. So uh, I guess it's just a modelling thing that they do. They rate the chances of Barcelona, uh, of excuse me, of Girona being league champions, Graham, this season at 2.3%. Yeah. It's quite low. There's a long way to go. We're in December. We're not in April. It's, uh, it, it is unlikely they keep this up. But I suppose the question is, how long can they keep it up? Yeah, I found those same numbers, so I believe that's Opta's supercomputer that's that's churned those out. Although I want to see what La Liga as a league do with a supercomputer. The the possibilities are endless. Um, so Girona have just a 2% chance of winning, Real Madrid 80%, Barcelona 6%, Atleti are uh, sitting at 10%. Right now, so Opta, they're not they're not so warm on Girona's chances of lasting the the distance, but some of their underlying numbers are um, really impressive. So no team in Europe's big five leagues has gained uh, more points 
from losing possessions this season than Girona. So they've 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 won 19 points from losing uh, possessions, and this is this is the really impressive bit. So no La Liga team has generated more expected goals per 100 touches while behind, which is a metric I I really kind of like because it shows when the tough gets going, Girona produce their best football. They're top of that list. So when they're behind in games, they are creating more. Uh, goal-scoring opportunities more regularly than any other team in La Liga. Having said all those things, Ryan, I don't think Sharon are going to win La Liga. I'm sorry to bust, burst the, the bubble. I think there's a good chance they finish in the Europa, uh, Europe, European places. Yeah. And if La Liga gets the fifth Champions League spot, which, by the way, they're in play for, given that the two there's only two English teams, only two Premier League teams through to the last 16 in the Champions League. So the coefficient table is looking okay for Spain right now. Um, maybe Girona end up in the Champions League next season, but I think depth will see Real Madrid, Atleti, and, and Barca overtake them at, at some point. Even even La Real, they're strong this season. Uh, this season, so that is probably my top four. Unfortunately for Girona, I say unfortunately, I'm still not sure I want Girona to win La Liga because of the whole CFG thing. But it's fun to see a new name up there, and I do anticipate they're not going to fall away dramatically. I don't think this is going to be one of these situations where in the second half of the season, all of a sudden, they're they're scrambling for points and they're worried about staying up down the bottom half of the table. I don't think there's going to be that level of a drop-off, but I would be very, very surprised if they end up with the title. Yeah, this is this is a legit good team, right? Like, they are, they are legitimately a good team when it comes to attack and creating chances defensively I already kind of outlined their their issues there but they're like a team that absolutely can compete to stay in the Champions League spots this season it's not a sure thing that they do that but it's it's definitely not impossible that they stay in that sort of range Grim going back to their ability to, to sort of come back from behind it's it's super impressive right for a team to do that for this much of the season like this is not an insignificant portion of the year and for them to have so much success coming from behind is is awesome well, that being said, like, that's not what you want, right? Like, that yeah, is, that's that a positive, <laughs> but it's making a positive out of a negative. And the best teams don't even have those negatives to begin with because they're not conceding goals. And ultimately, it is Girona's inability to keep the ball out of their own net that's going to push them down, right? They're going to lose games to Real Madrid. They're going to lose games that they shouldn't lose, 2-1 to one or 3-2 to two or 3-1 to one or whatever it is. Like, there are going to be a string of those results coming. I, I think you can take that one to the bank. They just, they just don't have the defensive solidity to deal with some of these other teams. And we saw that in that 3-0 loss to Real Madrid. We saw their inability to keep Barcelona out of, out of uh, to keep a clean sheet, I guess, against Barcelona, even though they had enough firepower to sort of counteract that. That's yeah. not going to be every game. But I, I like where you took it, Graham. Like, could they become a Champions League team for La Liga? Yeah, absolutely. I think the long term for Girona, I think the long term for CFG with this project is that they become the fourth team in La Liga. I think I maybe referenced that earlier. Girona CEO, Ignacio Masbaga, has a perfect quote about this that I think is going to age really, really well. So he said this to ESPN. The objective is to consolidate ourselves. I assume this is translated, which is a little bit of a way that's the phrase. The objective is to consolidate ourselves in La Liga in the coming years. It is great to be top. We love it. The excitement of witnessing history. But it's not an obsession. We are also realistic and know we are ahead of where we should be. And I think that is the summation of where Girona are right now. We should expect them to continue to improve. Like, they are still trying to become a, a steady, stable force in La Liga. They're ahead of schedule, but they're really good. Like, they're good at a ton of stuff. We should expect them to be hanging around. Maybe not title conversations this year for the rest of the year. Maybe not title conversations next year or in the next five years. But around Champions League spots or European spots, there is absolutely no reason why this team 
with the infrastructure they're ha- they have and the infrastructure they're going to have as they continue to solidify, get a new stadium, improve the stadium at least, improve the training facilities, all that stuff, be able to spend more and buy better players when they finish higher up the table, all that stuff. Like that, That's going to consolidate, to, to use Masbaga's words, into a team that is hanging around the Champions League spots. And I think that stability is is really at the core of what Jonah have been able to do, Joe. They've had the same sporting director, a man called Kiki uh, Carcel, for, since uh, 2015. So that predates CFG's involvement. It also spans Girona getting promoted, then getting relegated again. They still had the the presence of mind, the conviction of what they wanted to do to, to keep their sporting director in place. That's when they hire Michelle, who, as uh, Joe kind of outlined, has been a bit of a journeyman over the course of his managerial career, but they have given him real backing in terms of his ideas and what he wants this team to be. So even if Michelle was picked off by a Barcelona or the one that I've seen in, in, in Marca was Imanol maybe going to Barcelona and La Real hiring Michel. There's some overlap there between how those teams play. Even if he were to leave and get picked off by a bigger club, I have faith that they would have the continuity to continue building this team in the same image. That they would they would make an appointment that would be in along the same lines as Michel. And that, yeah, I, I agree with Joe. I think they they are going to continue to build. I think they're going to build up those salary budgets as well to a point where they can spend more things like selling Tati Castellanos for 20 million euros will help them do that if they sell Savio I know there's been links with Man City but I also read a report this week that CFG want to cash in on him and the fee that they're talking about is 30 to 40 million euros which by the way I think would be a bit of a bargain in today's market but that is another thing that will help them move forward so I'm not sure Girona given their size I'm not sure they'll ever be an Atleti or a Barca or a Real Madrid. But I think over the next 10 years, there's a good chance they will be a consistent member of kind of the top echelons of Spanish football. Yeah, I think that's a very good way to look at it. They're not a flash in the pan. They're a sign of things to come, perhaps. They just need that Emirati airline sponsorship on their jerseys. Get that FFP in a comfortable place. Yeah, it's all happening. And no wonder you don't consider it a fairy tale, Graham. Very good. Uh, <laughs> although I will say, you know, there are fairy tale elements to this story, of course, and you are a man who's just come from a park full of fairy tales with with a sort of dark overlord sure. of corporate um, behaviour above it, which is very much what's happening here as well. So, yeah. so yeah, so maybe Girona are the Disney of uh, of European football right now. That's that's quite the tagline. Yay! All right, <laughs> good. <laughs> Let's park this one here. Thank you very much indeed for listening to this one, listener Joe Lowry. Uh, thank you for consolidating yourself throughout this process. <laughs> Anytime, Ryan. Graham Rutherford, pleasure to have you back. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ryan Bailey. And listener, thank you once again for joining us on this discussion. Patreon.com slash Total Soccer Show if you'd like to continue it in our Discord. We'll be back on the feed very shortly. But for now, bye! You gotta slice it!